Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And we've been interviewing guests on a wide range of different topics. Uh, and just yesterday, we were uh, covering how to travel within Peru. Uh, you know, uh, a few episodes ago, we covered Colombia. I have the pleasure of my guest today covering my home and native land, Canada. And uh, I'm from Vancouver, BC, Canada. And uh, my buddy, uh, Kevin Hun, is actually from uh, near Toronto. Um, so I'm West Coast, he's East Coast, and we're still good friends. <laughs> and uh, Kevin actually did an epic trip across Canada with his wife and teenage daughter, um, um, leaving uh, Ontario and then traveling eastward into the Atlantic provinces and then traveling all the way west across the entire um, country into Vancouver, where I'm from. We're able to meet up, hang out for a good month or so, and then we still good buddies keep in touch. And uh, I have the pleasure of interviewing him on the topic of uh, cross-country trip across, uh, uh, a trip across Canada. And I know that's uh, something a lot of people want to do. Um, um, you know, Canada is a beautiful country with beautiful people, amazing food. And a lot of us, we might have been to one or two or three provinces, but not many of us have actually done every single province in the entire country. So Kevin's one of those. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to the interview here. Uh, Kevin, um, why don't you share a little bit of a backstory of uh, uh, who you are for the sake of the listeners and viewers? Thanks, Rick. First epic trip. No, you're on the epic trip, pal. I just had a nice trip across Canada for a year. <laughs> you know, it was absolutely beautiful to go across the country and got a chance to meet with you. We and, and we had our families come together and break bread, as they say, right? And that was an amazing time. So just you know, quick little thing about me. Um, I'm a business consultant, growth strategist, and I love helping business owners. I get this this thing in me ever since I was a kid. I told my dad I was going to pro hockey, and it was all about chasing the dream. Well, I realized along the way that it wasn't just about my dream. It was about other people's dreams. And I love sparking that light in people that makes them become the dream follower that they have, that they love doing. And so that's what I do today. And the trip, you know, living that millionaire lifestyle, do what you want, when you want, where you want, with who you want, you know, how you want. I mean, that's what literally we lived. And I didn't even think it was possible. This is my wife's brainchild. I was, she's like, we're going across Canada went, for a year. What? Right. So yeah, like you said, we went, you know, East coast, West coast up to the Yukon. So I got to see a midnight sunset, Rick. Like that was like, wow. Okay. The, you know, a few things you see in life and you kind of go, wow. Okay. A midnight sunset. Really? Like this is pretty cool. Uh, amazing, and you know, you, you have tons and tons of stories to share. Uh, I'd love to hear uh, about the journey itself. So give us a, a lowdown in terms of how long the journey was, uh, which provinces you covered, um, and a little bit about the logistics of how you crossed the entire country, because it's a little bit of an overwhelming feat. <laughs> it's not like uh, covering, uh, I'm actually in Trinidad right now, I can cover the, uh, the whole country in a few hours from uh, uh, east to west. Uh, I was in Suriname, Guyana. These countries are small. Uh, we're talking about the second biggest country in the entire planet uh, yeah. after, after Russia. So pretty impressive right. you were able to cover it from uh, Pacific Ocean to Atlantic Ocean. Thanks, Bob. But you know what? Interesting. 22,000 miles of driving. Yes, I was the driver. <laughs> we bought a motorhome. We went from 2,200 square foot house to 120 square foot little motorhome. And boy, were we on each other's, you know, like we get in each other's space. How's that? Um, and we went to the East Coast first, as Ricky said, which was amazing. We, you know, as a Canadian, you know, and I don't know if you like this in your own country, but you're like, hey, you know, I'm used to my own thing and you take it for granted. I had no idea the beauty of our country. So landscape, the history, the culture, what the people are like 
coast to coast. So as we went out to the east coast and we were in Newfoundland, that was amazing. PEI, small little province, you know, like a, it took us like, we were there 10 days and we saw a lot of it. <laughs> like we drove through the whole thing. That's a province, this little thing. But the history, the rich history of where Canada, how a lot of Canada started, how things just came to be. And it was like, wow. And of course we ate amazing lobster. If you like lobster, holy cow. We were in lobster capital. We had lobster poutine. We had lobster rolls. We had lobster burger. We had lobster sandwiches. We had, like lobster lobster right and not at 25 dollars a pound like five six dollars a pound like we were spoiled it was pretty cool um and then we went into as we went into newfoundland okay so here's an interesting thing there's this little island that looks like a goat head right well that's kind of canada's start i mean the vikings landed there ricky like a thousand years ago this is like holy cow so we learned this history we had culture on this island we learned about the i'll call it the geology if you will that there's a portion of newfoundland the same rock exists in the southern part of africa and so what we learned through evolution of millions of years that oh my god part of canada was part of africa you know pangenia and all i can't even say the right words but it was in this world uh, super island structure of how the world morphed right so we're learning all about this and going wow you know titanic went down right off the coast of newfoundland like there's a whole memorial there oh my god it was like what and then you meet the newfoundlanders okay these people they have their hearts i tell you rick they're like hey we just met you're coming for dinner right <laughs> you're like we just met we don't even know don't worry they're some of the friendliest people in the world i mean they are extraordinary and we had some great we had a we had a couple come into our motorhome and showed us how to make what they have out there towtons which is kind of a fried bread and they were in our motorhome making dinner one night it's three hours hey how's it going come on in and we, we were laughing like we didn't know we were supposed to have guests tonight you know and but that's who they are they're friends they're, yeah let's get together let's have some fun things um and in nova scotia you know they call it canada's playground uh, ocean playground Unbelievable. I mean, you're on the coast. It's just, it's fantastic. You know, Canada's got so many cool things that goes on. I, we can surf in Canada. Now, you're a BCer, okay? So you probably know this with Tofino and that. But when you live in Toronto and Montreal, like I did, I grew up in Montreal and now I live in Toronto, you don't hear about the oceans. You go, yeah, that's way out there. That's way out there. It's one, it's one side or the other. We're in the middle, right? We think we're the Mecca of Canada. Ha! You know, it's like, we may be population-wise, but we haven't got anything that's compared to some of the oceans and the mountains and the beauty and then we went up to the Yukon now the Yukon if you go up there they're gonna tell you this please don't tell anybody because it's so amazing you go up there you go holy cow this is like you know if you're a hiker it's a heaven if you're a biker if you're a cyclist if you're a walker like you just like you want to be in this environment and then you get not only the beauty but you get cool people, like people from all over the world. Like it is an international haven. There's a little town of 27,000 people. It's got everything, Walmart, Canadian Tire, it's got it all. And you're in this little town, but you know what? It's like big city up there. And the next closest thing is four hours away. So it's pretty, it's secluded, but it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, I've heard so many of these stories, but even uh, hearing you talk over them now, it inspires me. I need to visit the Atlantic provinces. I need to visit Yukon. And uh, oh, I, I personally have been to BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, which is the, the five, uh, you know, kind of the central, uh, 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 the western provinces. So there's a whole area that I've totally <laughs> neglected. I'm super excited about the east and i've neglected the whole north so those even are northern bc rick even yeah, northern yeah. bc like it's so funny how vancouver so if anybody's been to vancouver you kind of see what it's like in the mainland then you go to vancouver island 
The minute you start going up to Prince George, which is only halfway up the province, it starts changing landscape, things that go on, the history. Then you go even north and you go, holy cow. And that's just one province. It's unbelievable the difference in just one province. And, and you know, most British Columbians, um, uh, including myself, Vancouverites, so we usually go with the typical things like Harrison Hot Springs, Sunshine Coast, the Okanagan, Vancouver Island. Um, some of us might uh, go up to the Chilcotin or some of northern BC, like Prince George, Prince Rupert. Though that's, for, that's the furthest north I've gone, uh, with the exception of Alaska, which we did on a honeymoon. But uh, I have yet to cross uh, over to the Yukon. Um, uh, and you've done this all in an RV. Um, so I'd love to learn about really uh, the choice of transport. What made you choose uh, the particular RV? Uh, maybe you can give us a quick one-on-one on the different types of RV. Uh, because I think a lot of people uh, who are thinking of this, they're making that crucial decision on which RV to choose to make the cross-country or the cross-continent trip if they're doing Canada and the U.S. So yeah. if you can give us a quick lowdown into the RV uh, travel culture. Sure, man. Like, you know what? Those are actually really good questions because when you start thinking about an RV, and we did, it was like, oh, you know, we were thinking small, right? Keep it compact, budget small, you're going to burn gas, that kind of thing. At the end of the day, here's what happens. When you start going on a trip, and I'm not talking about two, three weeks vacation. I'm talking a year, two years, 10 years. And you go, this is going to become a lifestyle. It is your home. And so as you think of this as your home, you start going, oh, wait a second. What do I want in my home? I'm not just going into, and you know, Rick, your travel has been, whether it's been hotel, 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 hostel, like you're going to somebody else's place. If you were traveling with just your own things and you said, and we knew this, in other words, you say, okay, this is my stuff. You start saying, wait a second, what am I going to bring? What's important to me? How do I want it to look and feel and you know, clean, whether it's vacuum, clean, wash? Like this is your home. And so for us, as we started looking, we went from smaller to bigger, not because, oh, look at who we are, but it was, this is our home for 13 months. It was like, what do we want in there? How are we going to eat? How are we going to sleep? What are we going to do? There's going to be rainy days. My daughter's going to do some homework because she was homeschooled. So she had a couple of courses that she was doing. So she's going to have to sit and do some homework. My wife was going to work a couple hours here and there. And I was like, you know, we need that lifestyle. So the guy who we bought it from, he just said, so what do you want to do? Um, exactly what you just said, you know, how do you buy the right thing? We said, well, you know, we're thinking of traveling for a year. So we're looking at a class C. Now a class C is like a Ford Econoline with a little overhang on the top of the truck and it looks like a box on the back. Nothing wrong with it. It's got its beds. It's got its kitchen area and stuff, but you are a little bit confined. He says, if you, three of you are going to try and live, you're, you're going to be at each other's throats, especially because you're going for so long. He goes, look at that. And he shows us a 37 foot motorhome, which is called a class A, which is basically a truck with a box on it. That's your house. And now it had slide outs on it, which means it expanded the width of it and stuff. And so for and I'll, I kid you not, like the price was so affordable. We were like, what? And we didn't look brand new. Like you, you could look brand new if you want. You can go up to a million dollars. I mean, there's some pretty, you know, brass, glass. <laughs> Rick, they're nicer than our houses. Do you know what I mean? These are like massive things. So we can go, wow. But if you want to be affordable, look at, you know, a pre-owned. Somebody's had it. They've moved on. They've retired. They've gone a lot. A lot of times, you know, people who are retired take this kind of lifestyle. They do it for so long and then they physically can't do it anymore. So they go, we got to get rid of it. You know, I can't do the big long trips. So they say, ah, this is too big for us. And so there's all deals out there in Canada, US, and they're really great. And so we had a 37 foot motorhome, which was the highest, the kind we had was the highest of a regular car. In other words, I didn't have to change my license. 
I didn't have to get training on air brakes and diesel. So it was just a regular kind. And it was a Georgetown XL, which is a uh, just a, a brand um, by Forest River, kind of like a Chevrolet making a Cavalier or a Cadillac. It's just that kind of brand. And then it had regular driving. And I'll tell you, it's pretty quick. Once you got in it, I mean, Rick, you happen to see it. It was just you know, square house when it opened up, when it closed up, man, it was like a bus, you know, think of a loaf of bread, that square loaf of bread. That's what we were driving with four wheels, right? Now we pulled our car. So here's what we did. We took it one step further, let a tow dolly and pulled a car on the back so that we could plant the motorhome and then drive around with the car, which made it a lot more convenient. And especially being in BC, you know, it was so much to see that we couldn't put the motorhome up the mountain. Want to go up the Gross Mountain in a motorhome? Yeah, not happening. <laughs> and you've seen, you've seen it up in uh, Whistler, Rick. Like it was, eh, it's okay, but you don't really want to be up there in a motorhome going too, too quick. So we were like, you know what? Got the car and away we went. And then we had our bikes and we do bike rides. And my wife would say we didn't bike enough. We did four or five trips, which is okay. <laughs> Out of 13 months. <laughs> um, so, you know, from a nutshell, that was really where it was. And it was more the decision factor. Like, what is it you're doing? And then here's the thing. It's more affordable than you think. So I'm going to get into, you know, everybody goes, oh, how much, how much, how much? You know, they, they want to know the price and put it on a budget. Exactly, exactly. My wife set up the plan and said, look, okay, based on meals, museums, because we were trying to educate my daughter at the same time. So it's like, we're going to go to museums. We're going to do some history, learning, geography, that kind of thing. So we'll do some stuff. We, at, we averaged at about $4,100 a month, total everything, gas, campgrounds, everything. So think about if you own a house, what mortgage you're paying. Think about your insurance. Think about, what, like, we were in that number. And I was like, what? Now, my wife worked, so it actually helped streamline our trip, and it gave us a little bit more cash flow, if you will. But we had put aside enough money that we said, oh, my God, we can, we can do this easily. You know, when, I, when she first told me, Rick, here's what's in my head. Man, I don't have a million dollars. I need a million dollars. Like, where am I going to? You know, I need a, million, a year lifestyle. Like, oh, my God, right? But you know what? And you start breaking it down. I mean, how much can you eat? You can only eat so much. You can only stay at a campground for so long. You can only use so much gas. If you're not driving, well, now you're not using gas. So it's not, if you want to go out and party, another story. But we didn't. We did the museums. We did, I mean, Eric, we went to, we had fun. Remember the one church night? We had that massive show. I mean, we got yes, into yes, community. Yes. Like, you're probably seeing this on your trip traveling the world. You get into the local community flavor, you really see what life is like versus the touristy thing, right? That's what we got to experience on our trip. So yeah, that's, we made it affordable and that's how we chose our vehicle. Um, and so, some really ingenious uh, tips there, you know, uh, don't choose a vehicle first, decide how you're going to travel, what you need to do, and then choose a vehicle based on, so you're choosing lifestyle first and the, the vehicle uh, uh, falls into place there. I love uh, how you broke down the finances too because uh, that's a big question, how can I afford this uh, trip around the world like we're doing or, uh, you know, uh, with you. I'm just thinking about our own finances and it's not uh, too much different than yours. I mean, it's between three and 4,000 a month. And it obviously depends if we're in Southeast Asia, it's lower. If we're in like a more expensive place like Brazil, it's higher. And then there's in between places such as South Africa, which is in the middle of the, that range. So, right. uh, and I'm sure it's the same with you when you're crossing Canada. There were less expensive places, more expensive places, but it kind of averaged out to that amount. So uh, what are the main costs in terms of, was it the gas was the big one? Or was it the accommodation? Uh, tell us, break it down even further in terms of uh, what percentage allocation for each of the major components. Actually, that's a good question because the, big, the biggest thing for us that we looked at was saying what, you know, if we do a lot of driving, that's where your gas goes up. I mean, it was 50 cents a mile. We did 22,000 miles. 
think through the mass and go, holy crap, 11,000 in gas. Yeah. So why? Because a motorhome is not a little car with an economical little four-cylinder engine, right? It's a big, big vehicle. It's got a, a V10 engine. So it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, with gasoline, right? So our gas budget varied every month. And I'll tell you why. Because it depended on if we did a lot of traveling or not. So when we were in BC, we actually saved a ton of dough because we parked for like 45 days in one campground. Then, and that was in uh, Burnaby. And then when we went to Vancouver Island, we were there another 45 days. And so well, we didn't have to worry about driving the motor home that much. So that was great. So what built up were campground costs, right? And campgrounds, I'd say if you put $50 a night on a campground fee, that's what you can average. Now, here's the fun part about what we did, which what you can't, can't do, Rick, we could go to Walmart and park the motorhome and sleep overnight. Now, we had a generator, so we had full access to everything we needed, fridge, stove, TV. I mean, okay, we have TV, nice TV, you know, <laughs> it's pretty cool. DVDs, watching movies. I mean, we were pretty comfortable. Again, it's our lifestyle. It's our home. So, you know, the cost per month kind of average, I would say it's probably about $1,000 a month um, in gas average. One month, we hardly had any because, like I said, we stayed put, right? So the other months were a little bit higher, especially when we were heading up to the Yukon. Man, you're, pull, you're going nonstop, you know, a couple of nights stop, a couple of nights stop, a couple of nights stop, and you're driving. And they're doing all the driving daytime, not nighttime. Um, and then so campgrounds are the next thing. So if you average out, you know, 50 times, I'll say 20 to 25 nights because five nights would be a Walmart kind of thing, right? So you're saying, okay, maybe another 1200 bucks a month. So half of the money we'd be spending would be gas and, and campground. But if you have everything in your fridge as, as a camper, and I'm not talking about, you know, going to stay in a hotel. I'm talking about you have your camp, you got your fridge, you got pots and pans, you got forks. It's like your house. So you don't, there's no other cost. Now you need electricity. That's included in your 50 bucks a night on average, right? So you have that, you got running water, you got that. You want to do laundry. Now, if you don't have a washer and dryer in your camper, then you're going to a laundromat. They run about two bucks a wash and those kind of things. So my wife allocated for that. We allocated for groceries. I mean, what do we spend on groceries? We said, I don't know, 800 bucks a month. We were kind of looking at what we've been doing here. We said, I oh, would do about the same thing. That's about what it worked out. Here's where it went like this, up and down. Restaurants. <laughs> We'd be like, oh, Rick, okay, we got to go to that diner. We heard it's got a really good sandwich. Oh, that's got really good ice cream. Oh, that's got really good hamburger. That's got really good fries. So, yeah, so our grocery bill stayed the same. But our dining bill went, okay, we're going up and down, you know. And so, that, like, the average was, you know, I'll say 4200 bucks a month. We had a couple of $5,000 a month, but we had a couple $2,500. So, it, like you said, it, it balanced out, right? And here's the thing we didn't have to do. We didn't have to buy airline tickets to try, try and get from one country to another or get overseas and go. So, the costings were not big hits on that part. Like, ours was pretty steady as, as the months went through, right? So. And uh, you, you've done this uh, primarily for the sake of your daughter. I mean, uh, you've been talking mostly about the logistics. Uh, I'd love to uh, see uh, the reasons behind the trip. Uh, um, you, I, know, I know personally it's uh, something to do with, uh, you know, her choosing university, et cetera. But uh, tell us about um, uh, your daughter's input in this. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, it was your wife's idea. Um, she convinced you, obviously. How did she convince your daughter, <laughs> a teenager, to travel with her parents for one year, 13 months? Uh -huh. It's a remarkable feat. So whoever can reach, uh, should be definitely in uh, top-notch sales. Okay, so uh, it'll be a funny story that how this all evolves. Okay, so my wife comes up with a story. I go, okay, we'll buy in. We tell my daughter, she cries. 
She's, we're sitting in a restaurant. We figure we'll go out for dinner. We'll sit down and tell the story. Ricky, the dude, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to be there. My friend, my school, I'm going to be captain of my oh, volleyball no. team. Like, she's like devastated, right? She's like, no. So I'm sitting there going, oh, crap. Like, now what do we do? It's, we're going to, you know, it's December and we're going to leave in June, right? And I'm thinking, oh, my God. And my wife's like, yeah, no problem. Trust, trust the universe. Everything's going to be fine. Okay, so a couple months go by, and my friend, uh, my my daughter's friend, goes to her and goes, "Oh my God, you're gonna be on an amazing trip. That is so cool. You're so lucky." And my daughter goes, "Oh, this sounds cool." So now she comes home. Okay, when are we leaving? Now she went from I don't want to go to she couldn't leave fast enough. Okay, and we're like, okay, what the heck? Just how this is like, okay, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And we left at June 30th, 2015. Well, what we did to surprise my daughter was uh, um, Canada has a Calgary stampede in July. So in July of 2016, what we planned through June was we reached out to her friend who convinced her to go and said, fly out and meet us in Edmonton and stay with us. So she stayed with us for a week and had my daughter had buddy time for the girl that actually convinced her to go on the trip. So it was kind of a neat little uh, kind of a thank you, but at the same time, just have my daughter have a little bit of friend time. So at first, but she did not want to go. I mean, she's 15. She's going to leave her friends. Like, what are you crazy? Like this is going, but you know what? Now here she is going to be 17 in a couple months and she's going, man, that was so awesome. That was an amazing thing. Like she's starting to realize what she learned, who she had, who she met. Rick, she met you guys. We talk about you guys a lot because, I mean, our families came together. It was fun, right? What's he doing? Where's he going? And now she's got friends across the country. So she Facebooks with some people and some of them are adults. So the whole shift for her was realizing that their world was not just little town that we lived in, but it was like, oh, my God, there's so much more out there. A great love story, by the way. Uh, you know, I could just imagine that moment where she's in tears, like, what are you guys doing to me? And then the, the shift. Uh, and I could imagine your expressions when she did that shift and said, when are we leaving? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was like, oh, it's like, how do we go from night to day? Like, what happened, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you ended up uh, creating a blog called Teen Across Canada, and you documented her trip, and she documented her trip as well. Uh, you did a little bit of volunteering um, in each province, if you could. Tell us a little bit about uh, her side of things in uh, this big travel adventure. All right, first, I got to give you a shout out, because when I sat with you and we were doing this trip, this, is, this was just a family trip. So if you're watching this and you, you want to know about the guy you're listening to, I'm going to tell you something. This guy is the guy to listen to. So if you're thinking about how do I do a business online, this is the guy. He uh, goes, goes, Kev, uh, but listen, you said, Kev, what are you doing? You're not going to email pictures to your friends, are you? I went, well, <laughs> I was thinking about it. He's like, no, 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 no. We had a Facebook page. We had a Twitter page. We had a YouTube channel. I'm thinking, my daughter starts a blog. I'm thinking, oh my God, like what are we doing? And we became this internet little business. But here's what happened. It started sharing the story with friends and family, which is the initial. But then friends of friends found out. People found out. We started speaking at events. I mean, Rick, I know you were fun and helping and saying, hey, come talk to my people who travel and stuff. And we, so we did. But it worked out that we started talking. Then CBC, which is Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, a big, big player in media in the country, three interviews. My daughter's on the radio. Then we're in Shaw TV. Now she's getting a television interview. I'm thinking, okay, this is just a family trip. And to Rick's point, with the blog was my daughter's perspective of what the trip was. Well, anybody that is a parent, and I know for one, I coach women all the time who are parents, and they say, oh my God, if they see a young one 
doing something that touches their heart. Well, my daughter was doing it because she just wanted to share the story, but guess what it did? It engaged people and they went, wow, look at this. And it was her story. And then we did videos and we had some fun little clips on how to do things on, you know, what, when you're in this town, if you're in Vancouver, if you're in Vancouver Island, if you're in PEI, and we just say some cool highlights and we gave some shout outs and we did some fun little interviews and stuff. And then we got home, Rick, and we did an interview on Chinese TV. Okay. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't look Chinese. I'm not even close to that. They got a hold of us. They loved the story. And they said, okay, we've got to have you on. All this from your guidance. And so when I, when I tell you, the listener, you're watching this, listening, you got to listen to Ricky. He's going to tell you what to do. He knows how to do this. I'm telling you, like, I'm, like you, when you see gold, grab it. <laughs> Uh, I'm not paying him to say any other stuff. He's doing uh, the genuine, genuine unity of his heart. And uh, that's what, actually what I do, a little segue here. Uh, I do help people to travel the world. I mean, uh, I, uh, a quick little backstory here. In Vancouver, I went through a little bit of a downtime, a depression where I was just sitting in Vancouver. I'd become domesticated, suburbanized. And I, I was seeing all these travel people around the world. And I was like, I can do that too. You know, I, I had a lot of travel experience before I got married. So finally, we decided to take the big leap. And at some point, you got to take that leap of faith. And now that we actually on our travels, we've been to 66 countries and six continents. My son, he just turned one year old and he's already been to four continents. He's one year old and he's been to four continents. He's been to North America, South America, Asia, Africa. Uh, my kids have been to over 10 countries. And one of our big goals is to visit every country in the world. So um, I really love to help out, give back, support. Um, you know, um, if you're interested in traveling uh, across Canada, across the world, across Canada, talk to this guy, Kevin, <laughs> because I've only done five provinces. Uh, but yeah, across the world, I can definitely give you my insights and uh, uh, advice on family travel with young kids across nations, across continents, across oceans, across, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, borders, etc. So I do that through one-on-one -on -one coaching, through masterminding, I have online courses, etc. So that was a little commercial break. There we go. Uh, <laughs> we return now to our regular scheduled program. <laughs> there you go. So, Kevin, uh, I know your, your, your daughter was uh, around 15 when she started. Now she's 17. And obviously, she's on the uh, cusp of entering university. And one of the cool things is you got to visit a lot of universities, including my alma mater. I was um, actually a, a student of UBC, University of British Columbia. And uh, you got to visit how many universities and uh, has she finally made the decision based on visiting all these universities or where she wants to go to? Yeah, and you know what's interesting? It was actually a transformation that happened to her on the trip because when she was going, at first she was like, I'm going to UBC. And it was like, that was just her thing. Here we are in Toronto, get away from mom and dad. That was her thing, right? Teenager, I want to be with my mom and dad. I want to be, and UBC was the thing. We went to the Maritimes and she started listening to people talk. And so in answer to your question, how many? We did a calculation. We're already at 33 universities, okay? That wow, we, 33. 33 that we visited. It was like, oh, God. and we did tours and we saw the campus, buildings, you know, mess hall, like mess hall, look at me, army, right? Um, but just like the whole environment, what the rooms were like, what the people like, what the courses, curriculums. And so she she, as a, think of this now, as a 16-year-old, knowing what every university or pretty much the majority of the universities are like in this country, when she makes her decision, she's like, I know based on what I saw, who I met, what I was like. Well, we went to the Maritimes. And so as much as UBC was in her brain, we go in and she meets this little university called Mount Allison, 2,500 students. Rick, I mean, like I had a high school bigger than the university, right? <laughs> right. But she went in, they, the way they treated her, the what she saw, the course, the tour, the information. She was like, this is it. I love it. So what'd she do? She started communicating with them. 
So as we started going out west, she had set the platform at Mount Allison going, okay, this is kind of the one for me. Went out west, saw UBC, totally intimidated. Rick, I mean, you went there, 60 some odd thousand students. Yeah. Yeah. This it is, is definitely in, international renown, big school, connected around the world with different uh, countries to get, you know, uh, international students. She was like, um, uh, uh, you know, like she was like, this is way too big. And it's basically a city on its own, Rick, on the peninsula, right? I mean, UBC is a, a big plug for them, but they're like a wow factor in terms of what they offer to the marketplace. So we saw that and we went up to the BC, uh, UConn, and we saw a college, a little college, 800 students. Now that was too small for her. <laughs> and she's thinking, you know, in the wintertime, there's no sun. <laughs> so she's like, um, I don't know if I can handle that. So she got to see, you know, back to the point, she got to see every university and it was all part of the trip. Again, it's part of her education. So the tagline we used on the trip was an education beyond academics. And again, this was his guidance on like, what are you doing? What message are you trying to send? And that message really hit home for us. It wasn't more any about anybody else as much as it was for us. It was like, oh my God, this is an education beyond academics. We are learning a ton of stuff, learning about the universities. The piece that we don't talk much about, but she did a fun stuff is volunteered in every province. Rick, I mean, we got to do the food, you know, the food, the one you helped to set us up for, we were doing the food bank, yeah. not food bank, but yeah. the uh, soup kitchen. The homeless shelter, yes. I mean, that was like, Wow. And you know, when you're helping somebody just out of your heart, dude, so many cool things happen. Well, for a teenager, she got to meet people that are struggling. You know, she may read about it in a book and Vancouver's had, you know, a spot where the homeless people live and stuff. And I mean, she saw that and she was like, wow. And her, it opened up her mind to what's out there. And to me, it's one of the, the best educations we probably ever gave her. You know, the schools are great. They're fine. The, you know, the structure, the bricks and mortar. But this trip across the country, and that's my dad used to tell me when I was a kid, traveling is your best educator. Best educator, travel, see the world. It is definitely an epic education, an education, um, you know, beyond academics, as you mentioned. Um, uh, you know, I've already dragged the Kool-Aid here, so I'm on the same page as you. <laughs> uh, Kevin, uh, you know, I'm really interested in the volunteer side of things, too. I think that's a, that growing industry, uh, growing subsection within the travel industry is volunteerism, traveling not for the sake of sightseeing but for the sake of uh, impacting the communities you're in and letting them impact you uh, we do a little bit of it as well um, not a, not enough I think I mean uh, we we volunteer at some orphanages uh, in Brazil we're able to teach English uh, wow. we're, we're actually going to Colombia we're going to be a, a, a volunteer in an orphanage there uh, we helped out of the Mother Teresa house over there in Cape Town South Africa um, wow. uh, we definitely could do more and I, I'm, uh, I need to be more intentional about that in the travel planning side of things uh, because if you don't, uh, if you're not intentional and proactive, it's not going to happen. Uh, so tell us about how you organize volunteer opportunities in each province as you travel because uh, like I said, unless you actually um, plan it out and network your way through it, emailing people, it won't happen. So uh, give us a little lowdown on how it happened for you. So what we did was we said to my daughter, we gave her an, kind of an ultimatum thing saying, you know what, you're going to volunteer, period. It was like, she, one, she wanted to. So I'll give some backstory on her. She's in high school and part of high school is a mandatory 40-hour volunteer uh, that you have to have before you graduate. And she's like, okay, but she heard about this scholarship in her school. So she had a little bit of incentive, Rick. She goes, if I get 1,000 hours, I could get this scholarship. So she's on this war path through grade 9, 10, 11, 12 to go for 1,000 hours. Now... You think a thousand hours, like that's a ton, like, but it adds up pretty quick. So on the trip, I think she hit something like 150 hours. So what happened was she, where every province she volunteered, she did something like in BC because we were there for so long, she did like 
five weeks of like every second day some stuff. So it built up pretty quick and help, helping a senior's home, animal shelter, the soup kitchen, you know, the uh, homeless shelter you talk about. In the Maritimes, she found online. So we talk about, you know, planning. She went looking online going, volunteer in. And she'd put the city name, right? And they'd go, you know, sometimes people say we're looking for volunteers, Craigslist, Kijiji, and all these different types of crazy sites and that. And she found these um, festivals. So this one festival was a lantern festival. Now we're like, what? So we actually moved our trip. <laughs> we were supposed to go on the West Coast to Newfoundland, come to the East Coast and come back. We moved our trip so she could volunteer and went East Coast, then West Coast and came back. So she volunteered. To see. And it was this local community within St. John's, Newfoundland. And she was there for the entire day helping working with kids, which she loves to do. So it was hand in hand. And they sign off on the paper. And because she has to have a documentation of proof, you know, it's not just mom and dad going, oh, yeah, she volunteered. No, no. And she'd spend hours, which was cool because it gave my wife and I time to be alone. <laughs> right. So it was a little bit of there was some psychological warfare going on. It was like, oh, no, no, go volunteer. This is good. You go volunteer. Mom and dad time. <laughs> right. Blueberry Festival. Ricky, mm. when the, just outside, about 45 minutes outside of uh, uh, Halifax, there's this little town unknown. And my daughter finds it, and, she, and we go volunteer. So I drive her, I get out there, and when I tell you a little town, there's a little building with a bunch of trees, and your next closest town is a half a kilometer, or not closest town, next closest building is a half a kilometer away. We're talking about a small town. We show up, drop, we're the only Ontario license plate in the driveway. She gets out, and but the whole town comes, and they do festival, you know, pies, festival cakes, festival food, there's a whole luncheon you eat. So she works and she serves, right? Well, the people found out and said, how? Did you ever find us? <laughs> it's this little blueberry festival in this town. She was, she was looking online. And now it was a great conversational, an icebreaker. She made some friends, you know, had some great conversations. We got some good food, which is pretty cool. But the whole environment of, it was really exactly what you said. Look online, email people. Do you need help? Can we help? Do you know someone that needs help? What's going on? And you know what? What's really neat is when people actually interact, like you and I are talking right now. You know, if we were just sort of, chatting through email or chatting through Facebook, you can't really get a sense of who the other person is. The minute you go face-to-face, -face, talk, hear the voice, now there's a connection. That's what happened, and that's what she did. She'd pick up the phone, she'd call and say, what's going on? They'd meet, and they go, oh, you're traveling across Canada? Absolutely, come in, where they may have been hesitant just through email, right? So picking up the phone, showing up face-to-face -face and saying, you know, what's going on? The Yukon, it was an animal shelter. She was playing with cats from the day, like, <laughs> Okay, let's go volunteer and help the animals. So did she hit her 1,000 hours, or how close is she? No, she's close. She's, she's already about halfway, so she's in grade 11, so she's got another full year, and she's got her whole layout from now till next uh, summer, man, that she wants to do those next 500. Awesome. She works in churches. She, you know, what she does every Sunday, she helps out at Sunday school and really gets involved there. She does a whole – and this is all by her choice, by the way. Let me be crystal yeah. clear. My wife and I are – Nothing on this. This is her going, I want, I want, I want, I want. She's going to, she's going to Quebec City, actually, in a couple of weeks at the end of school year, and she's going to spend almost the summer there and volunteer at a, a kid's place. So what is the big prize once you hit your 1,000 hours? Is it a cash incentive? Is it a certificate? That's, it's exactly it. She gets a cash uh, scholarship towards the university, and I think – I think it's something like a couple of thousand dollars or something. So she's pretty cool. incented. Yeah, she's pretty incented. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like a great little uh, sub part of your trip. So Kevin, uh, you've done the trip. You're back in the, you know uh, Ontario, and yep. uh, tell us about the one year since. Um, uh, how was it to readjust uh, to uh, go through that reverse culture shock of <laughs> coming back home, uh, not 
moving all the time, but uh, living in an actual house without wheels. Uh, tell us about the emotional, mental, spiritual, uh, relational adjustments you had to make yeah, upon you know, returning. Those are good questions because for me, that's exactly what it was. It was like a spiritual adjustment because here we had been free and doing, you know, we're in nature. You go out for a walk anywhere you want, when you want, how you want. And we came back and I was like, so what do we do now? And it was more about who am I? And that's really what started happening for me at the end of the, towards the end of the trip. I started going, who am I? What am I about? And I started thinking about what do I want to do in life? And it's probably, um, I'm, I'm blessed that I had the opportunity to do it because I talked to a lot of people that go, well, you know, I can get a two weeks vacation and they don't, it, they don't quite dive in enough. It's just not enough time. I had the year to start going, who am I? What's going on? And I, I came out clear and said, you know what? I believe almost everybody needs this. It's almost like the walkabout, you know, that they talk about in Australia, that 13-year-old who leaves and then has to come back a man, you know. That, but it's more from a, a sense of who am I, what am I about? And when I came back, I said, okay, look, what do I love doing? Love traveling. Great. So then why not create a business that allows me to travel? And so speaking, coaching, consulting allows me to go see clients in different parts of the world and joint ventures and meeting up. So this has been less than a year that the business has been going and it's been cool because it's already started and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm going to live that lifestyle now that lets me go. I don't know if I do another big RV trip. My wife is like, yes, yes, yes. I'm like, well, you know, maybe for a couple of months. Uh, I love airplanes. I love the planes. Dude, if I could get on a plane, I'd be on a plane down there beside you and let's do this face to face you know, sitting down beside you. I'm in the plane, get me around the world, you know, Australia, the Caribbean. I love cruising. So yeah, um, it's been an, an interesting adjustment, but it's been basically from here and in the heart. Mm, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm on this trip right now and it's definitely a learning, um, uh, you know, um, a journey. Um, you definitely learn a lot about yourself, about what's really important to you, your value system, uh, you know, what was not important, the materialism, <laughs> That's uh, right. Stuff, stuff is not important at all. I mean, uh, relationships, uh, you know, following your dreams, uh, yeah. making a difference, impacting others. Those are just some of the lessons I've learned over six months. Yeah. I, I still have a ways to go before I readjust, it, if you will. Uh, so tell us about the business, uh, Kevin. Uh, now that you're back, what are you doing in terms of the business? I know you do some media stuff, you do some training, uh, consulting, coaching, etc. So uh, give us yeah. a plug of what you do. So the company's called Hopes, Wishes, and Dreams. And, you know, when I came up with the name, people were like, oh, my God. I said, look, if nothing else, I'll have a great conversation. Because <laughs> right? people go, Hopes, Wishes, that feels good. And I go, that's right. But primarily, we help business owners who are trying to, you know, grow their, their appearance. So we get them instantaneous credibility. I mean, when you leverage media, it happens. And here's the best part is your message gets out to the prospect that you're looking for because you leverage the media you want. And then, and I do it with zero money, like, like not spending advertising dollars to try and get your message out to rise above the noise. And it's easy and the program's called Make Media Matter. And the words alone just get people thinking in a different way. And a lot of people don't build relationships with the media. And the media are such a great resource, one for information and two, to get your message out. Absolutely. Uh, I was just featured in the Huff Post about being a digital nomad dad. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I think it's a great way of uh, sharing, inspiring others. Because my blog, our podcasts, our videocasts, our social media can only reach these many people. But with the traditional mainstream media, you reach these many people, these many, these many, right? So right. I, I highly recommend getting into any and all forms of media. Uh, and, you know, Kevin's definitely an expert at this. Uh, so reach out to him. And, you know, if you want to make your hopes, wishes, and dreams come true, Kevin's the guy to talk to. Awesome. Thanks, Rick, for having me on. This is great.
So uh, quickly, do you want to share the website of yourself and also about uh, the, uh, the, the travel website and uh, anything sure. else you want to share in closing? Absolutely. So in, in theme of what our conversation has been about, Teen Across Canada, TeenagerAcrossCanada.com is the website. There's a Facebook page. You can check us out and see what the trip was all about and learn about us was, uh, for just what it was like as a family because we share some cool stories on there. Um, the business-wise, if you want to get in touch with me, feel free. It's KevinHune.com, which is K-E-V-I-N-H-U-H-N.com, which is in my name. And I've got my phone number in there, email. Reach out. Glad to help out and see where we can uh, connect you wherever you need in your business. So maybe it'll be you one day, you know, traveling across Canada in an RV. So uh, if you have any advice, about, if you have any questions about uh, doing this big uh, trip across the country, highly recommend reaching out to Kevin. You know, he's very willing, able, and ready to give back, support, and make your travel dreams come true as well. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to travel the world, how to travel the country, and how to make your travel dreams come true as well. So we'll catch you in the next episode, and happy travels, everyone.